You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Carter comes up shooting. Got it! 1.2 seconds to go! Vince Carter, you are amazing! Give it to me! A little baby black! Get that garbage out of here! <laughs> Welcome to 95 to Infinity Podcast. I am Brandon Kajioka. It's been an incredibly hectic week for the NBA. A lot of people removed, a lot of trades, a lot of transactions. And here to break it down for you guys is Gregory Yeroshadis and Christian Graf. And boys, how are you doing today? We are good. I mean, how are you doing? You're back. We missed you. That's what I was going to say. How are you doing? You put it on the big boy pants and making your own podcast. I'm like, I'm like, a, I'm like a dad. You know what I mean? I, I'm so incredibly proud of my two podcast children. The pod father. Did you, did you is hear happy. that? We, we refer to you as the Russell Westbrook to our James Harden and uh, Kevin Durant. Yeah, man. I just sit on the bench and swag out, and you know, just that's it, man. That's it. I, I can't handle the pressure in the fourth quarter, anyways. I just like to sit down, relax, put my feet up. Do whatever Russ does on the bench. Um, so the reason why we're having this podcast is obviously focus on Raptors made uh later, but I want to get to quite simple for you guys. I want to talk winners and and I'm gonna throw it to you, Greg. Who is the and for teams in the NBA trade deadline? What one team stuck out for you amongst the teams in the league? Oh, well, it's quite obviously the Philadelphia 76ers and specifically Daryl Morey. I think Daryl Morey, uh, I mean, I griped last week just on this idea that he was willing to throw the season to get James Harden in a sign and trade. But, you know, the, like just the, the poker game that he's been playing this whole time, right? Like he's he's probably had his eyes set on James for a long time. I guarantee you there's been some backdoor shenanigans there. Not that anybody could prove it. But I, I think Daryl Morey's strategy obviously paid off. Uh, so he's definitely a winner. I, I also think Russell Westbrook is a winner because he didn't get traded. Right. And maybe you could say the Lakers are then losers. But so those are the two people that I can say are clear winners. And as for teams, to me, it's definitely uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. That's that's crazy to me that you say that. I mean, honestly, if anything, I'm picking Brooklyn as a better team there out of of the two that got they both got better. Don't get me wrong. Uh, um, 
but like yeah, long Grant, long term or past quickly, this I'll season. One question: Do you think, based on that the Nets, the, the way the team structured, do you think Seth Curry may be a better fit than James Harden? You know, working with Kevin Durant, working with Kyrie Irving. You know what I mean? Just the flow of that offense. Yeah, I mean, well, Seth Curry, I mean, he's just one piece of the pie, right? Like, if you have Kyrie Irving handling the ball, and then you have Kevin Durant, or Kevin Durant, doesn't matter, but you have Seth Curry, they have some really good shooters all around them, and they address the rebounding with Drummond. But Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons basically yeah, that's just, the question. He just, he doesn't have to do one thing on offense. All he has to do is guard the other team's best player because there's so much offense around him. And Patty Mills is having such a good season. Him and, St- and Seth Curry together is like lethal shooting from the wing. Um, the Joe real Harris only thing they don't have the season, other than so, Ben. You know, I think it was necessary he's to get gone, Curry yeah. as well. But defense, they didn't have any defense before. And Ben Simmons actually addresses that need. So if, you know, if they are facing off against one another in the playoffs, you know Ben Simmons is going to be on Harden, which is going to be awesome. I don't. I mean, the other way around, I don't know. But Ben Simmons could stop him. We haven't seen him play since June, but he's younger. He's not fat. Um, he doesn't have a history with injuries like this hamstring that's been hampering Harden forever. And he's arguably not as much of a diva as Harden. So I don't know. For me, the Nets out of that that trade there are the clear winners, in my opinion. Now, now I I'm not saying that Philadelphia quote unquote won the trade because I think Philly probably gave up more than they wanted to. I mean that, I mean, going into the trade deadline, the Sixers had their team as constructed minus an all, uh, an all NBA caliber player in Ben Simmons. And now they've replaced that hole with a top 10 guy to go alongside Joel Embiid who can offer proper spacing. And I don't think that that hamstring issue and the hand issue, like something tells me that Mr. Harden is going to snap out of this slump very quickly. So this season for this season and possibly even next season, like the rest of James Harden's true prime, I just feel like the 76ers upgraded their top end talent. And now they have the best duo, I think in the NBA. All right, Graf, I'm going to throw it to you. Um, You know, what's another team that really stood out for you in the NBA trade deadline? You know, we see the Mavericks sending Porzingis to the Wizards. We got, you know, um, Derek White going to the Boston Celtics. You know, Serge Ibaka's on the move. Obviously, CJ McCollum was traded. What's another team that really sticks out to you that you would say is another winner uh, of the NBA trade deadline? For me, it's actually two of the early trades that happened. Um, I think both Indiana and Cleveland got a lot, um, a lot better in terms of both of their timelines. This uh, this trade deadline, Karis LeVert going to Cleveland for honestly not that much. I mean, Ricky Rubio's out for the rest of the season anyways. They gave up picks. Um, they can afford it. Their their core is really young, and all of a sudden they look really good. They're like the seven footers. They're tall. Uh, I like what Cleveland's doing. Darius Garland, you saw them in like the in the All Star draft. They were fighting over Darius Garland. I, I don't know why that much, but he's really good and young. And Indiana basically just reset, right? Like they got Tyrese Halliburton, who, in my opinion, is or was the best person on Sacramento or the best player on Sacramento. Um, 
I'm always going to think that Sabonis is a bit overrated just simply because he was on a bad team. And I know he's a two-time All-Star, but I don't think Sacramento's going to. I will say that. Sure, but I mean, the team itself isn't going to be in contention. They're not really going to win. They're maybe going to get to a play-in spot. So I don't know what... And I think that Fox isn't that great. Fox and Davion Mitchell as a backcourt is not nearly as good as Halliburton and literally a scrub, in my opinion. So I don't know. I, I don't know what Sacramento was doing in that trade. I was pretty vocal about that on the Twitter. Um, Give me a second. I think a lot I of people wanna, in Sacramento didn't know either. A bit more uh, the Pacers trade. So you know, <clears throat> bringing in you know Tyrese Halliburton, the prospect, someone that realistically could be a top ten point guard, you know, within a couple of years. How does that style with Malcolm Brogdon? Do you see Pacers maybe moving Malcolm Brogdon in the offseason, or do you view him considering how much money and years they invested in him? I think they keep him, and Halliburton can play off of him. Like He can't play the two right now, but in terms of development, I don't think he's going to be there longer than than next season. I think he's one of those pros- or one of those players that next trade deadline will probably be a big name that could be on the move. Um, but I, I don't like, I feel like Duarte and Halliburton are like perfect, perfect backcourt partners. You can't get stylistically two better players to play along. It's true. I just wish Duarte was like three years younger. You know what I mean? Like he's, <laughs> he's, a, he's a bit of an older rookie. Let's say I think he's 24 years old. And Halliburton's so young. So, I, fuck, I don't know. I mean, I would – I like those two as well as a backcourt. It sucks that they got rid of Holiday. Um, but, you know, for now with Buddy Heald and Tristan Thompson and they still are going to keep Miles Turner there, you know, they're young players. Everybody that's on their team that's under 25 is like a promising prospect. So, I, I like what Indiana did and I like what Cleveland did. Hey, Brand, right. you like another team can be – Yep. Sorry, Greg. It's kind of throws to you really quickly. Kind of going back to the pace. Uh, you know, got an understanding of the methodology of all the coaches in the league. Lyle is a type of coach that is conducive to long-term success with a young core. Uh, in in Indiana, in Indiana, I think it it would fit. I I couldn't see him, you know, out in uh, one of those California teams with that style uh but the culture there i think will be supportive of his style and you know what like the guy although he could be a bit abrasive knows the game and he's got the credibility because yeah right uh (laughs) he's got the credibility because he won a championship so and none of those players have done anything yet so they're probably going to be eager to learn and i see them maybe next year being a fun upstart team right but you you were asking you were asking about the winners, uh, and Graf brought up previous deadline moves. You know, we we didn't talk about the Pelicans kind of just slinking away with McCollum. McCollum? I think yeah. I, I think that's a really good pickup for them. Like if you look at their let's assume that Zion comes back, right? You've got Graham, you've got McCollum, you've got Brandon Ingram, Zion, and JV. That's a good starting five. Right. So, and, and I think it adds much needed spacing around Zion. So that's an yeah, underrated sure, pickup. <laughs> hey, um, it's an, it's an underrated pickup. And, and finally another winner, I think, I don't know how the, like the wizards, I mean, they took his, they had to take his money. They had to take Porzingis's money. 
But in terms of like talent, he, I know he's injury prone, but he's played good this year. And to me, like Spencer Din- Dinwiddie was not playing well. And, Bur- and Bertans wasn't even playing. So, and he's making a lot of money. So yeah. you basically, I was involved in that transaction. Like I was looking at it, and my expectation was okay. The the picks are going to trickle in after the Woj bomb on his. Like eighteen million dollars a year. You know, Dinwiddie's up at like fifteen or something. And like as you were mentioning, he's been a shell of himself this year. So you know, it's definitely yeah. been a. Uh, it's going to be an. I don't know. How do you feel about Luca and with his new teammates? Well, well, the thing is, they played so well um, without a traditional five, and you know, it it was always a bit. There was always a bit of tension there uh, between Luca and Porzingis. I think Porzingis thought that he was coming in to be a co-star uh, instead of a glorified role player, which is last year certainly how they used him. This year, he's he's got m- more touches. You know, I wonder if he doesn't get injured if this trade happens, right? Like, I because he was playing so well, but his biggest knock is that he can't stay healthy. And I think long-term, they're trying to free up salary to go after, like, another big-time star and really maximize Luca's prime. And if you want to know how Luca feels about it, last night, dropped a 50-piece. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so he's obviously feeling good. All right, let's get to the losers of the NBA trade deadline. I'll throw it to you, Graf. What's one team that really sticks out to you? You know, one team that you think should have maybe done a little bit more at the deadline or had a very underwhelming trade? Um, Underwhelming. I mean, is this where I bring up the Raptors? I mean, look, we just talked about Porzingis, and apparently there were some rumors that, you know, we could have had him. Um, I know a lot of people were upset, especially initially. Um, I think I put myself in that group too, that thought that the Raptors were going to do a lot more, but it just turns out that we didn't get anything for Drogic. And the only reason I say that is because every other team in the East seemingly got better, right? Like, ev- like even Boston, Boston got getting Derek White, which is a great move. I think a lot of the teams in the East, I, I can't really criticize a lot of their moves. I think they all did fairly well. So you think Derek White was a good move? A, a, I, I do for Boston just simply because, I mean, look at their two right now. This is like shaping up to be a CJ McCollum Dame situation here, where if the two of them don't work, I'm talking about Brown and Tatum, they're going to have to do something about it. So I think, yeah, they're kind of all in, and Schroeder wasn't moving the needle in any way. Derek White's a good player, man. He I think is. he's really just, good, and anyone who comes out of the Spurs is going to be good. I don't know. I like it a lot. I find him very redundant to Marcus Smart. I think they both kind of bring the same skill set, kind of non-shooter, sort of physical defender sort of mold. But, you know, uh, another team that was large was the Utah Jazz. You know, with the exception of... Or, and, um, Greg, what are your thoughts on the... Covington's gone. Norman Powell is gone. The court, they brought in the, the expiring corpse of Joe. It's like, what, what do you think about this organization? And what is the future? Yeah, it's confusing. They made that trade with McCollum. They, they got um, Alexander Walker and then traded him to Utah. Uh, it, it seems like they're potentially trying to do a, like a, a tank job to get for this year. Quick rebuild. To, 
Yeah, or like, and maybe flip the pick for a talent player next year. Like, apparently, from what I, from what I can understand, they're looking for another big time star to pair with Lillard. Now, to do that, though, they have to accumulate assets, right? Um, apparently, Lillard wants to stay there. This is what all the indications have said. He's been hurt this year, anyways. <laughs> I mean. But I wouldn't, I mean, at this point, you wouldn't be surprised if, if in the offseason he asked for a trade, right? As for Utah, you know, it's tough because they, they, they've, they've been kind of sliding, but in part that's because Gobert and Mitchell haven't really been healthy. I think when they're complete, they're as good of a team. I think they're right there. I mean, a t- they're a bit, they're a tier below. They're a tier below Phoenix. They're a tier below Golden State still, but they're right there, I think, in 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 the conversation. So, uh, and I was a little bit surprised that they didn't do more in that sense. Um, but again, they probably believe in their team and just chalk it up to to injuries. As for the Raptors being a, lo- I don't know if the Raptors are losers at the trade deadline. I certainly was a little disappointed no, after I, hearing that. I never said that. <laughs> well, they weren't winners. Right. I mean, look, I like Thaddeus Young, um, but we're talking now a bit of positional redundancy <laughs> on this team, to say the least. Right. No, uh, we play but, positionless. We don't need positions. Who needs positions? It's 2022, Greg. Okay. I wait till we play Embiid in the playoffs. Look, okay. Well, and again, you know, Brand, I, I, I digress, but uh, certainly Utah and, and, and Portland, definitely Portland. I don't know if they're a loser from the trade deadline, but they're they've definitely taken a step back now as a as, as a franchise. Definitely a loser. I, I forgot about Portland. <laughs> Sorry, that's my fault. They were definitely the loser of this deadline. Great, Graf. What are your thoughts on you know uh, the, the guy that you know we were doing our mock draft a couple of years ago, and you know Grafin was talking about this guy is going to be transcendent, the next future face of the NBA. You know, uh, you know. Uh, Marvin Bagley going to the Detroit Pistons. Offering a couple second round picks for someone who has largely been arguably one of the biggest draft busts of the last decade or so. You want to handle that craft? It was directed to you, I think, more than me. <laughs> yeah, I, I would assume so. Um, yeah, no, I think that, again, with Bagley specifically, um, Look, it's it's funny because he's one of those players that I, I just don't believe in Sacramento, right? And I think that's it's a terrible like culture and a terrible franchise that he ended up coming up in, um, which de- which hurt his development. I mean, he's been so sour; you can even see it off court. But when he's been on court, when they've given him the opportunities, he doesn't play that poorly. I mean, he's always he's never been a good shooter. He's been a slasher who's you know extremely long and sort of very modern NBA. And I think that with a new start where he got you know. I, I think it's a good thing for him as a player. Now, again, he's not going to the most winning culture, but at the same time, they're, they're a team that's more on the up, in my opinion. And I think that he just he just got into the, the bad books in Sacramento, and he never really got out of the doghouse there. So they never really gave him that opportunity to sort of grow. And you're right. Like when people like Luca and Trey and people around you are, are doing so successful in the same draft – 
there's a lot of pressure on you, not just from yourself, but from the organization, the fans, you feel it. And that makes it Your dad. Even 10 times harder, right? Yeah. His, his dad is like, <laughs> but his dad hates the team, right? His dad is mad yeah. at his, his team, dad. His team. I think his family was beefing with like Darren Fox's family. And like, it was a very messy situation. See, that's yeah, yeah there's, there's it was toxic, right? Like, I don't like to use that word too often, but it was a very toxic situation for him. So, I think yeah. it's a and new start is good, and he's still young, man. Like, again, he's never going to be Luca. Obviously, I'll contend that I wasn't wrong there, but at the same time, you guys both said the Embiid contract was terrible, so I was the only one who had that guy's back, and um, I, yeah, like, yeah. you know, he's gonna be fine. I think he's gonna be fine. Don't give up on him yet, is I guess my main point. Dwayne Casey, I think, is the perfect coach, like. You talked about the, yeah, like you talked about <laughs> the culture, you know, you talked about the culture in Sacramento or sorry, the culture in um, Detroit, right? It's not a winning culture. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean though that the culture there is bad in the way that the team is organized, right? In Sacramento, it was more chaotic, Luke Walt, like it was more, right, right. they were fast and loose and they were losing, right? Um Versus Detroit, like, they know who they are. They, they for the most part, you know, they got young guys that work hard. Um, I, I could see Bagley get um, finding himself there. And honestly, Dwayne Casey, again, he's the perfect reclamation project coach, right? Like, I mean, look look what he did with, with, with Lowry, right? He gives them the tough love. Someone's got to be honest with that kid, right? It's like, as, well as, as well as Christian Wood as well. Oh yeah, no. I, again, K- Casey is very respected by players, and and I think he's great for young players. Even though he's an older coach, he relates very well uh, to 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 the players. He has a very straightforward way of talking to them. I think it'll be good for Bagley. All right, uh, let's jump to the Raptors moves. I know we kind of mentioned Thad Young. Graf, what are your expectations of him coming into the latter half of the season? Um, you think he's actually a contributing member off the bench, rotation guy. What is Thad Young? What does he bring to the Raptors? And is he actually going to contribute in the stretch run? Um, I, I, in the end of the day, and this is why I was trying to defend what I was saying earlier, just because the Raptors didn't do much. I think it was a good move. I think it was a decent deadline overall. And I, I think that social media and Twitter and fans freaked out because they thought we're going to get the world for Goran Dragic, or they thought that we're going to, you know, be able to actually do a big move like Chris Dapperzingis or, or shit, even Gallo for, for that. But I just don't think anything was there. Um, they didn't want to sacrifice anything anything in the future and they really don't want to take on salary past 2023 so they're, they're gonna have to pay og they're gonna have to pay um freddie's gonna have to go up gary trent's gonna have to go up barnes eventually so I, I don't know in my opinion the raptors did well here i think thaddeus young specifically again this year if you take that away because he, he his minutes just went down like he, he went from 24 minutes in chicago the year before all the way down to like what i think it's 14 last season so this is a guy who averaged 12 points you know i think it was six rebounds and four assists off the bench two years ago in chicago like that's not long ago he started 23 games he was a viable piece and he's still 33 so it's not like he's 36 like Drogic or someone who didn't play like Drogic. so yes i think he will be able to come and help you know the rotation specifically with barnes OG and Pascal, um, we're going to be able to give them a break because he's sort of interchangeable, right? Like we do play positionless. Like I was saying to Greg earlier, 
we play so in such a way that he can step in for three positions for us, right? Like he can really do that. Yeah. And yeah. I think that him and Boucher and Kem Birch, um, sure, it might seem redundant, but also it's more competitive that way. Like they're going to each have to scrap and fight and we can pick and choose, you know, who's having a good game. And even if it's not Thaddeus Young, even if he doesn't come out there and get 12 points and six assists or whatever it is, like, because he won't, honestly, I'll say that now. He, he does bring that veteran leadership. And that's the one thing I guess I got out of Masai's press conference today is that he's believed in this guy for a long time. Like he's always had a need to get Thaddeus Young on his team and he finally got him. And one of the main reasons is because of that, you know, locker room presence. So I, yeah, I'll, I'll trust in Masai. I I will never doubt that man again, since I wanted Suggs instead of Barnes and criticize him for it. So fuck it, man. I'm all in. Look, so I don't, I'm not doubting that, uh, you know, Thaddeus Young will bring, the veteran presence that we hope that Drogic would. It's just that at this point, the team has these glaring weaknesses, right? Like one of them being defensive rebounding and, and young isn't, I'm sure, you know, he's a decent rebounder, but he's not really going to help us there. He does add, okay. He does add to, to some bench depth. I mean, but any, but any serviceable player would have done that because we because Goran Drogic was working out in Miami. Okay? So, okay. That being said, he does have some decent playmaking chops. Okay, I've seen some clips of him. He's a really good passer out of the pick and roll, right? Uh, so th- there's benefits to it. There's benefits to it. It's just that, you know, if you were like me and you were tapping into that rumor mill and, and, and you're seeing, you know, some of the potential deals that, that were out there, uh, specifically for some of these stretch fives that could really open up our offense or give us some decent rim protection, that that was intriguing to me. That being said, this team has played so well as of late, uh, and it is a, an experiment to the extent that they're going to want to see this out. Like, how does this team look in the in in the playoffs? Then you really know what your weaknesses are, right? So, uh, it, I think they'll wait to make any big moves in the off season. But as it stands, to me, this you can't. The roster has clear weaknesses that need to be addressed going forward. All right, the last just, thing I want So I just want to quickly say, Brandon, that there's yeah, a big yeah. deal. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say that the, this draft pick, the first-round draft pick we gave up, is not as big of a deal as it seems. I know uh, everyone keeps putting, it's a first round, it's a first round. Why would we give up a first rounder? Man, no. Masai yeah. knows it's 10 draft spots, max, like maybe 15 max. Masai is going to draft us someone in the second round early with Detroit's pick that would be just as high caliber as some other fucking team in the, in the 20s because it's happened the last three years. So I think he can do it. And yeah, that's my last point. Sorry. All right. The last thing I want to touch base on, I guess we can fold it into Greg's gripe as well, is the performance of Russell Westbrook. <clears throat> the last couple of weeks has oh. been a tumultuous. I like to think of Russell Westbrook as like a typewriter repairman, and then the age of the internet is <laughs> thinking that's not going to take off. That's not going to happen. I don't have to pivot in different directions. So he's still typewriter repairman in the age of the internet, and that skill set as a player. Um, Kevin O'Connor wrote an incredible article about this years ago about in order for him to succeed in Oklahoma without Kevin Durant, it's up to him to evolve his game. And the fact of the matter is that he has not evolved whatsoever. 
20 hours ago by Yash Matang on Sporting News that the Lakers for on this guy. What do you thoughts on his future in the NBA? Because this has been so let me begin by saying that I definitely don't think he's had a good year by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> right? Like wow. I'm not okay. This being said, listen, this being said, I've said it before <laughs> and I'll say it again. I think he takes too much of the blame for the Lakers failures this year. They lost the other day to the Portland Trailblazers. Okay, with the the Portland Trailblazers minus Damian Lillard, right, with a bunch of guys that I never even heard of. They had LeBron, they had AD, and they still lost. Hold right? on one second. So, you said something that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. You say it's not Russell's Westbrook's fault. My what I'm saying is the the Lakers' current record, right, is beyond just the like Russell Westbrook. Okay, how much money does he make this season? How much money is he earning? $44.2 million. Yeah. Think about money being just first to fill out this roster. Based on the amount of money that he earns per season, he has an obligation to perform to a certain level. He's obviously not performing at that level. He's making $44.2 million. If that wasn't on the books, how could they fill out their roster? How would their roster be different? They could. No, they could. At the end of the day, and that's my question to you. Why is your blame, Russell Westbrook? For his performance, he's not, not earning the vet minimum, dude. He's earning forty-four million dollars. But they chose to sign guys only making the minimum, right? And they they just didn't want to pay more of the tax, right? They were being cheap, right? They 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 let Caruso go. They should never have done that. He's a fantastic defender. He's exactly the kind of player that they need, right? Like if you like, the, they have Trevor Ariza out there. No one even guards him, right? If you watch that team. Right. They, they just don't they have guys that are so washed up like DeAndre Jordan can't play anymore. Like it, the roster itself is flawed beyond Westbrook. Right. Now, that being said, what like all the pressure and all the media and all, you could see it's like a, like Westbrook's not that bad. Like like he's 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 missing shots <laughs> that he's made like layups. Uh. He's missing layups. I like, so, right? okay. he's in his head. Listen, he's in his because he's so in his head. Right. He's so in his head now, he can't even relax and play. And another problem is that they... Do you have, like, it, Stockholm Syndrome? Like, did Russell Westbrook kidnap your child? And he said... Is that you show me glowing appreciation think, love on this podcast? I think bringing him off the bench... I think bringing him off the bench would actually be a good thing, right? Because it means that he'll actually be able to, to have the ball more. Right. When he's playing next to LeBron, LeBron is so ball dominant. And and yeah, Westbrook doesn't do enough off the ball. He just doesn't. Right. Like so, he doesn't so, stay the floor Greg, about. The only, the only thing right, is, let's is get the cool hand though. of reason. Christian Graffin, give me your rebuttal. <laughs> well, <laughs> hold Greg, on. I think that they should have made John Wall trade. Sorry, hold on. I think John Wall and Eric Gordon would be right now better than what Westbrook is, uh, is giving them. I don't know the details of what was no on the shit. table. Of they course it would pick, be. But they wanted yeah, to that's pick. not breaking news. Everyone fucking knows that, Greg. Westbrook right now is terrible, and you just told me that someone who's not even playing in the NBA and Eric fucking Gordon would be better than him. So, yeah, obviously Westbrook couldn't be playing that well in your mind if you think that is the combo they can get back and they would be John getting Wall's more not out playing of in the NBA because Houston's trying to tank. He's an all-star-ish caliber player. 
right? Oh, like yeah, she, you it, think so? Yeah, like I, I would. And the better shooter. He's a better shooter than Westbrook, right? He's a bit younger than Westbrook, and you'd be getting another player in Gordon. So I, uh, uh, that was probably the best option for the Lakers. They yeah. didn't decide to go for it, right? But but look, I'll also say this: I I don't think the Lakers though are done. I think that they're going to get guys on the buyout market. Like I could see Dennis Schroeder going going back to to the Lakers. I could see them. Why work, would they see... want to go to the Lakers though? Like, what is enticing? Playing with LeBron James obviously is an enticing option. But if they're staying at seventh, eighth, ninth in the Western Conference, you're asking. I'll be yeah. Well, for a lot of these guys though, like Dennis Schroeder is not championship or bust. That guy probably just wants to live in L.A. or whatever, right? Like, okay, uh, a guy like Goran, a guy like Goran Dragic. Those those are players that I could see um, the uh, the clutch the right. I could see clutch kind of having their sights on already. Uh, but I was surprised that they didn't make a move. At least something, right? At least something. You don't have a draft pick until your child's your age. Yeah, they, they also value THT way higher than he is, and so do Raptors years? fans. Wow. It's it's rough. It's it's painful. It's painful. We're going to get this back on track. Graph, give me your rebuttal. Well, for me, the most disappointing thing, and again, if you've watched the games, which Greg, you claim to watch the Lakers games, I'm starting well, to question if them. you do or not. And uh, it's not his offense, even though he's clanking them off the backboard and this and that. Because you're right. Like once he drives and penetrates and passes, it's not bad. It's not terrible. It's just he doesn't play within his role and his, his attitude, right? Like you heard him the other night. He said, I shouldn't have to justify with numbers or benchmarks. I should basically be out there because of my previous, because of my resume. And yeah. that kind of attitude when you've been playing like absolute shit, specifically on the defensive end. I watched Russell Westbrook in some possessions literally stand there while the other four of his teammates are running around, switching around the court. His, his guy's in the corner, and he slowly walks toward the basket. Eventually, it works his way to his guy, who hits a three from the corner. And everyone looks at Russell Westbrook, and he's just trying to charge down the floor to get another fast-break layup. Like, it makes no sense. He has no self-awareness. He's making LeBron and AD frustrated with him, which is – honestly, at this point – now, this is where it gets crazy for me. It would – they are a better team if he wasn't even on it. Honestly. But that's I not – but, but listen, but listen. But that – They would be. I point. said it the other week because your point – what you're saying, Greg, to me they, is they, that – They just lost to Portland without it. So it's obviously not that that uh, the problem is just with him. The team itself is not very good. They're too old, right? They don't have young bodies to guard, right? LeBron can't carry the the the, the load anymore. He's doing well offensively with his numbers, but it's not impacting winning in the same way. You know, it'd be and really Anthony, nice having Anthony like Davis forty-five million energies. dollars in the payroll to be able to sign guys that can fill your roster. Thank you. No, but you know, but 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 who like? The the players that they uh, that they traded off for the most part, like what have they done in in? They're in all Washington? doing well. They're all doing what well. Washington Washington sinking. They weren't doing well last year. What happened in the playoffs? Like they were a flawed they team last year. They're even more flawed now. Austin Reeves Austin Reeves is their only like energetic young piece, right? T Tht, I think he's overrated too. Right, it's yeah, it's sad, Kuzma's, man. Kuzma's doing terrible this year, right? Not leading to winning. 
It doesn't matter. He, he's got a triple double last night. He's averaging like uh, the best numbers by far. Bradley uh, Beal is Ball, not playing. Unbelievable. Randall, lead of his team. Like, sure, the teams aren't yeah, doing well. But all yeah, those players are right. way better. I Caruso. think you're right. No, I can even say player on this team. They definitely gave up too much for Russ, but like that's separate from what his like he didn't necessarily do that, right? Like, like that's between the management, right? So, but it's not his responsibility to perform on the court. No, it's that that is a separate issue in a sense. Like, that's not his fault, right? That they gave up so much to get him and that they left their team completely barren. I'll also say he's the only player on the roster that's played every game, but that one last night, right? LeBron has been out for half the season. AD's been out for half the season, which is part of the problem, too, right? They brought him in because he would. Basically, for that reason, is to play when they're not playing because they're injury prone, right? Yeah, and they can't. He they, they, he can't do that. It's it's it, it's painful to watch. Like to see the fans actively tell him not to shoot and to boo him. This guy's from LA too, right? Like I know he acts like it doesn't bother him, but you know that bothers him. No, it bo- it, it clearly bothers him. Clearly, that, he, he's, that's he's I mean, talking he's shit in the- all the interviews. You could see it in the – and I, I see what you mean about the lack of self-awareness with the guy, right? Like he does – Mello needs to have a serious talk with him because we had this conversation about Mello a few years ago. Brandon, you said he was done. You call him a cadaver, right? And the guy managed to actually carve out – He's my favorite player in the NBA, Greg. Uh-huh. But you thought he was done. We all thought he was done, right? So – Honestly, if if Westbrook came off the bench, it would actually benefit this team. It really would. I think it would give them a boost. I said that fucking eight weeks ago. <laughs> but to, but to not have him on the court to end games—that's a that's rough, man. Well, like who like who have about one hundred and fifty million dollars committed to Westbrook, James Davis, Tucker, and Kendrick Nunn next year? So good luck filling out that roster. Kendrick Nunn's going to save the day if he opts into his player Nunn. option. <laughs> Kendrick Nunn and Goran Dragic there to save the day for the Lakers. Bro, they have Kent Bazemore, Luol Dangs on the payroll, apparently. Let's go. That's a roster right there. You know what? Before Would you we leave, there's one thing I kind of want to throw in there. I was kind of reading this trade and I didn't realize this went down. Remember when Nikolai Vucevic last year got traded from Orlando to Chicago for Wendell Carter and a pick? Who did that pick turn out to be? I don't know. Why don't you tell us? <laughs> Wagner. Hey, he looks he looks good, eh? He's really, really good. You know who I actually wanted? If there was one or two people that I wanted for the Raptors, it was honestly Mo Bamba and Mitchell Robinson from the Knicks. Those are the two players that I really wanted. If we want a true center and like someone who's athletic and long and can switch and defensive first, those two would have been my choices. I found Robinson's draft year so interesting. You know, you remember that whole story. He sat out the entire season. I think he was playing for Eastern Carolina or something. I can't remember what college, but he sat out the season and plummeted the second round. That guy would have realistically been a lottery pick if he elected mm-hmm. to play that season. But uh, nonetheless, guys, do- uh, is there anything else you want to throw in there? Just glad to have you back, Brandon. You know, we were like a, a, dr- dr- a ship, just adrift without our captain. I don't know. I think yeah, we held our own. Yeah, I don't no, think we need Brandon I, I, I anymore. I greatly right? appreciate it. I know. Uh, I, I know you guys could definitely keep it alive without me, but I'm glad to be wanted. Unlike Russell Westbrook. Um, <laughs> <all right. laughs> 
Thank you so much for listening, guys. We'll be back more frequently. So we're going to do try to do at least two a week. Um, so thank you so much for tuning in. You can catch us on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Have a fantastic week. Peace out, T-Dot.